Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This show is all about art, craft, and creativity, and I produce it weekly in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Craft Sanity. As I mentioned last week, uh, my daughters were sick. Well, guess who's got the cold now? I'm sick as a dog, but yeah, I'm not going to let the cold win. Thankfully, I pre-recorded my interview. This week's show is an interview with Rhonda Simmons. She's a 43-year-old artist from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. She's actually a friend of Violet Clark, who enlightened us and made us laugh back oh so many episodes ago let's see i'm looking it up right now episode six is violet clark for those of you who want to have a blast from the past and listen to it again or you may have missed it the first time this is going to be kind of a wild show because Rhonda and i talk about a lot of stuff and some of it's kind of wild so if you have some very very sensitive sensibilities just be forewarned we're going to be talking about art parties. We're going to be talking about body casting. And yes, I will disclose my own body casting past. After the show, be sure to visit craftsanity.com for links to Rhonda's website. So here's Rhonda. If you can tell me about your life as an artist. I have my studio at home. Actually, my whole house is a studio that I work out of. So it's, it is home-based. And one of the things is I do art parties. And art parties are theme-based on personal growth issues, societal issues, uh, etc. And they're very women-centered. So depending on uh, the theme, one of the ones that is um, quite popular is it's called Breast Friends, which is a breast-casting art party. And it's uh, more about body image and self-acceptance and um, et cetera. And, I mean, you know, that that is a a very sensitive um, topic and area for women. So uh, we turn it into a work of art. So I can have up to 10 women uh, in, um, in our home, and it starts at, 10 o'clock in the morning and would finish around 2 uh, the first day. The next day they come back and then they would embellish and paint and, and um, decorate the piece and then take it home and hang it on their wall or whatever they, they want to do with it. So that's one of the very popular art parties I do. The other thing that I do also is I have um, pri- private clientele that I work one-to-one with, again, women-centered, and working through uh, personal uh, issues with um, artistic expression. So is it kind of like an art therapy kind of thing or more or less lessons? Well, and- I guess I struggle with putting art and therapy in, in together. So I would like to um, reword it and call it a uh, facilitation. Art okay, facilitation. just kind of helping people find their artistic side and tap into that. Well, I think the other thing is 
too is um, talk therapy can truly only go so far for for um, some people, mm-hmm. and it's just another avenue. And it's non it can be set up to be extremely non threatening, and it's fun. It's a it's a way to play because it's not serious. It's it's like okay, well, um, and I very much intuit uh, the needs the the assignment etc um, and an example would be one um, client that I worked with uh, had issues of past issues of carrying a lot of baggage around with mm-hmm. her, personal baggage I mean we all have it to one extent or another and so what we did is we went out and we found uh, like an old suitcase. And so she brought it to the studio, and um, the, this particular assignment was called Personal Baggage. And so what she did is she decorated and painted and embellished the outside of the piece of baggage. It was actually quite, quite nice. And then on the inside, she, um, we had rocks. And on that rock, she had to put all her personal baggage that she has carried around with her for, you know, 45 years uh, that keeps coming up again and again and again. Then the other thing about that was then she needed to carry that baggage everywhere she went. It didn't matter where she was going, you know, to, to work, to a social function, et cetera, et cetera, until she came back and she saw me um, again. And what was really interesting is people were really curious about, what she about was, yeah. oh, wow, this is, this, this, that's beautiful. What is it? And she had to explain to them that it was her baggage. And it was okay, you know, to look on the inside, but she didn't uh, need to share what was on the inside of, of that case. So it was a bunch of and racks inside with, with things written on it? As to the issues that she So is it quite, quite a heavy piece of baggage, would you say? Or? Yeah, it, actually, yeah. I mean, but the other thing is is that sometimes when we see things outside of herself, it certainly makes it more real. Oh, yeah. And it made it more real for her, realizing what she was, was carrying around, which was dragging her down, which hurt, you know, which hurt her on, on a number of levels. And how long did and you have her carry it? Um, she didn't come back to see me for two weeks. Oh, wow. And so then she had come back, and so we talked about the experience and the reaction, um, you know, uh, from outsiders, from family, even herself. And it was, it was really interesting. So then as time went on, we went and opened the, the baggage case, and we dealt with each one. And each one of them had, you know, a very specific assignment to go with it. But um, it really facilitated her growth in order to move forward and to let go of all of the stuff that had accumulated over years that had never been dealt with and that was dragging her down. Wow. And so she ended up, once it took us, you know, um, quite a while to go through the, the rocks, but um, once... Uh, she um, finished the assignment. She actually kept the, the piece of um, the baggage, got rid of the rocks, and, and she kept it as her artistic expression. She loved it. She ended up adding more to it, to the outside of it, which, 
you know, showed her moving forward in a really, really positive way. Well, it sounds like it's some really important work that you're doing to help people um, work through whatever they have to work through. I, and this is, seems a lot more fun than sitting on a couch and paying someone to, to talk. Oh. You know, I mean, they get to be um, doing, kind of acting in, uh, you know, kind of taking charge of and taking ownership of, of their own issues and, and doing something creative uh, to get through. So that sounds yeah. like... Um, you know, that's going to make it, you know, kind of a, a difficult but a fun experience along the way. And, and that's what, you know, and really personal growth does not have to be, you know, heavy and dark and, you know, it can be fun and light and frivolous. And to, to the, you know, the point that you know, we laugh sometimes at ourselves at some of the situations that we get ourselves into. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and the other thing is people say, well, you know, I'm not creative at all. And that's not what it's about because I, I you know, um, one of my taglines for my studio is, is no art experience is necessary. Now you, you call know? you call your, your studio Altered Anything? Is, is that the yes. working title of your? Yes, Altered Anything. And, well, I'm really intrigued by um, just, well, all the things you're doing, I think are, I find extremely interesting. And I want to go back for a moment to the art parties that you do. And is that yeah. always body casting that you're doing, or are you doing other things at the parties as well? I also do other things. Um, uh, the, the, the name of um, the studio, Altered Anything, truly is about altering. And my perspective on artists is the fact that we do alter. You know, whether it's a canvas by putting um, uh, paint on it, whether it's music, adding notes to that music sheet, we, we do alter. And so for, for what I do in particular, I like to use objects that have had a past life, you know, give them a new, fresh life, you know. Um, and it could be anything. In, in fact, right now I'm working on, I had done a trade with someone and my partner found me some old mannequins beside a dumpster parts and so I'm making a, a garden piece for my my friend's art with the bottom half of a mannequin the leg and the feet oh very cool and yes and so you know I'm using chalkboard paint I'm using different objects uh, in order to make this piece unique and take it from the past life of a mannequin into, you know, um, a functional art piece in uh, his garden. On your website, you have pregnancy belly casting kits yes. available. And I know I did for both my daughters. Each time I was pregnant, I did a cast. I kind of did the at home. You know, I just bought the supplies and, and kind of, you know, fumbled around doing my own cast. My husband helped me. And, of course, people react differently to that. You know, when you say, oh, yeah, I did a belly cast, people, some people are like, oh, well, why in the world did you do that? You know, which, you know, I don't really waste a whole lot of time trying to explain myself. But because um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. But I have not decorated these or embellished them in any way yet. I, I, ha I figured the important thing was getting the cast made, and I could always come back to it. But mm -hmm. do you find that? You know, with the belly cast thing, might be easier to explain than a group of women coming together to make casts of their breasts. Do you find that sometimes people are like, well, geez, what kind of, you know, what's going on there? I, I, what kind of reaction do you get when, when people, um, you know, you tell people the types of parties you're having? It's actually mixed. Yeah. And when I did um, a women's craft fair last year in which I was 
promoting the breast casting kits and the breast casting parties. And I had my other kits there too, the belly casting, the, you know, like a torso casting, etc. And it was really interesting. Some people would come right up to the table and like say, wow, that's really, that is really neat. And, you know, I would really like to do something like that, you know, for my husband or for myself or, you know, um, whatever. Then there were other people that, because as a, a display piece, I had done a casting of one breast, and I had it framed on the table. No, it, it was just you know, one breast. Was it your breast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it, it was framed, and, you know, it actually was freestanding on the table in this frame that, that I had transformed. And so some people came up and they were like, wow, you know, that's really cool. What? And then others just made a wide berth. Um, Around the table. To not even come near <laughs> the table. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So Yeah. And so, like you, I mean, I just explain what I do. And it doesn't really matter whether they embrace it or not because there's enough people that do and I find it extremely fascinating and empowering and healing to do body casting. And I actually have, um, earlier on, in order to work with my own body image, um, being a big, uh, bold, um, black beauty, I, um, did individual um, body casts, like of my arms, you know, uh, legs. And when I started to do my own self-acceptance, body acceptance, uh, there were parts all over the house. This was very early on in my, my art walk. And so how, old would you, how old of, would you say when you got into this, when you started doing all um, the casting? Um, in my... In my 20s. Okay. Yeah, okay. in my 20s. So you parts... I was very intrigued with body casting, very intrigued. So you had parts all over the house. Yeah. Yep, so I had body parts all over the house. And then when I started doing that work, then I bought it together and put those pieces together. But not before I did. I basically used the body parts as a journal. And I wrote on some parts that I found offensive, some parts that I wanted to change, etc. So I wrote on the on the different body parts. It took me actually a number of years to bring it together as a whole piece. And then once, you know, once I started doing the acceptance of the arm, okay, then um, I would attach, then the other, and so on, until it became a full piece. And it was, re- it was very, very powerful. It was really, really powerful to see how disconnected at one point I was from my body and how um, angry I, I was that, you know, that I w- wasn't um, twiggy. And then when it all came together and said, you know, gee, you know, I'm, I'm really not half bad. This is, this is great. And so I tell that story to women that come, you know, because I said in society we are taught to, you know, uh, body hatred. And especially if you're a, a, a bigger woman, you know, you're very much taught because you, you're not up to the standards of the, the model. Right, right. And so, you know, I mean, I had one woman that was so freaked out when she came to the first breast casting. She was just, oh, she was just beside herself. And I said, 
we're not here to point out your flaws. You've done that well enough throughout your life. What we're here is to celebrate. So it ended up that we ended up being one woman short on this particular casting party. And so I ended up working with her one-to-one. And the feedback that I received after, she said it was a really, really powerful experience for her. So a you really ha- powerful experience. You have the women kind of partner up, and yes. one will do the cast of the other person, then they trade mm-hmm. and do the cast. Okay. And I take them through it, and I, you know, and I, I talk to them, and always check in and make sure that they're feeling comfortable and safe, and um, you know, just keep that that dialogue up. The the process from start to finish is rather is actually um, rather quick. So you don't have time to stand around and say, hey, wow, look at you. Holy, oh, gee, what, where'd you get that start? You don't have time for that. Right, and right. So, and, it's, and it's very interesting. It's just really interesting. Do the women know each other before they come for a casting party? Um, some do and no. No. You know, it's really, it's really mixed. Okay, because, yeah, that could be quite an experience if you don't know. You're standing with some strangers, and suddenly you're disrobing <laughs> to, to have your well, breasts. Well, but cast. I do, you know, I mean, I do, like, warm-up exercises. I sit down, and we talk about, you know, okay, why did you come? Why are you here? What are your expectations? And then I take them through step-by-step, step, you know, I tell them exactly what the, the process is. And it's... You know, then we get ourselves, you know, partnered up, set up, and then, um, boom, you you are working really quickly because you're working with plaster bandages right. and you set very quickly. Right, so you have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And then, but I also talk about, okay, well, you know, you can put your arms up or you can, um, you know, how, how about a, a nipple ring or, you know, they can put objects right into the plaster. To, to just give it some extra, you know, creativity. And so it's, yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, they're already looking to the outcome, and so then they're not so worried about the process itself mm-hmm. when, and, when we're in the middle of it. And then they come mm-hmm. back the next day and do embellishments. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the part where I left off with my belly cast, uh, um, and mine's actually the full from my like from up above, um, like up just below, you know, my, like my torso, my basically my whole trunk <laughs> is mm-hmm. completely. Uh, you know, I did these two castings, and the thing I didn't figure out though is how do people uh, when you embellish these things, how do you get it to to be um, stable enough to hang on the wall? Well, you can varicine it. What is that? I have to think of what it, I'm just blank right now. Is it like a gesso uh, or something? Or that's it. You put gesso on it so it, that it'll that it will give it the strength inside and out. And then the other thing is, once you're finished painting, etc., then you can also put the um, urethane on it, varicane. Verithane. And that also gives it some strength and longevity. And so that's that different than polyurethane. Um, yeah, it, polyurethane. You can use either one. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that strengthens it. And then can you actually put wire or something, connect wire to it to, to actually hang, make a hanger? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. I, I just look at this thing that's not, I don't have any gesso on it or anything, and I just kind of look at it and think, geez, this is so fragile. But I think it'd be quite hysterical to um, finish these two and hang them over the mantle. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I've seen some. Talk about a way to 
freak out yes a little bit but yeah well i've seen some actually really neat um outcomes in terms of how people present them women are presenting they're they're really yeah really cool yeah well i think pregnancy is such a I mean, just was such a, an experience and, and just such a wonderful experience that, yeah, I'm glad I did those casts. I'm really glad about that. Well, and on the other side of that, too, I'm doing a series called Empty Nest um, because my daughter's now grown and has left home. And so I'm doing four shows, and I'm taking out the solar plexus, which would be around the, the, the belly area, and they will be windows in which I will um, put uh, certain objects that I feel that are associated with empty nest. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so I'm doing, you know, on one, can't, one, one hand, yes, the, the pregnancy and everything, that's really important. And on the other hand, the empty nest, which isn't as talked about, is um, important too. And when I experienced it, it yeah, it was very, very it was very powerful and it was really profound. And so I started these pieces, well, a couple of years now, I guess. And um, I want to turn it into a series and talk about empty nest. Well, I, I think it's great because you're right. Uh, I think empty nest uh, is not something. You now, pregnancy is something that a lot of people talk about, but that's something that every parent you know, um, if we're if we're successful and we get our kids out of our basements or wherever they are, you know, yeah. that 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 is um, what we all aspire to is getting our children to successful, you know, completion of adult, you know, they're to adulthood, yep. they're through school, mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's wonderful that you're doing that. Yeah, and mine hasn't come back yet, so I'm feeling, you know, like okay, I've done. Hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> so, how old is your daughter now? She's 18. 18. Well, congratulations mm-hmm. to you for getting her yes, to uh, adulthood there. That's great. And for the, the people at home who will listen to this, I mean, what do you th- what advice do you have for them? Like why, if there are people thinking, geez, why in the world? Like I would never dream of, of doing a cast of any kind of, of a body part. But what, what do you think people take away from that experience? I know for me, I was able to kind of make a tangible concrete memory, like the, a visual memory that I could document. It's kind of a documentation of, being pregnant and so I did one for each daughter and I don't know that my daughters would ever want these pieces they might Mm -hmm. I I have no idea Um, but I did it really for myself you know to to Mm -hmm. remember that but what do you I mean when you're talking to people about the benefits of this I mean what do you see as being a good reason to 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 do something like that well insight you know there's always ways that we can get insight about ourselves as well as we may know ourselves on some levels. There's other ways that we can be challenged to see different perspectives of who we are. And also, when you're doing casting, too, you are in a vulnerable position, you know. And and also letting go of control because you do need two people, two to three people to, to, to do the, the process of 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 any type of, of casting. It's not like you can uh, do it your yourself. And then the other thing is looking at yourself, looking at your, your, your body in a, in a new way. Why not, take some, why not take your body and celebrate it, you know? Celebrate the good, the bad, and, and, and the ugly and, and turn it into a work of art. Because, I mean, I think that we, as humans, we are... A work of art just to have been made and to be put on this earth 
And so for, you know, and I kind of talk from my own personal experiences is that I've learned a lot about myself and how I see myself because it really is, the the, the casting is about my personal growth and and my own experience and and, and healing. Um, So I I can, I, I talk about what it, has done and the benefits it has done for me and it's fun and it's it's different and it's you know it it truly is an experience even if you only do it once which a lot of people have done um they always remember it it's something that was scary it was really neat when you see this cast come off and say and, and you look at it and say wow that's that's me you know that's really cool and then what they do with it from there and I think casting is life-changing. Well, it is. I know when I, you know, did the belly cast, and I, you know, you take the thing off, and you're looking at this, and you're just, it's really kind of interesting to see how you look. Like, as a three, it's, it has three dimensions, and you can kind of look at this thing, and it's not a viewpoint or a vantage point you'd ever have looking in the mirror, you know. Exactly. So it really is interesting. You know, you're into some really awesome stuff, and I see face masking here. Yeah. That sounds like that could be dangerous. Do you have to put straws in your nose for that? No. No? Actually, <laughs> a lot of people ask me about that, and I've done it for so long. Is one of the things that I check is I ask in terms of if someone um, has claustrophobic issues. They also may be a survivor and they can't have their eyes covered, etc. But I do it in a way that I keep quite a gap so that you can breathe um, quite easily and freely. So there's no no straws are are used in the face mask. Um, casting process. And that must be really kind of cool to embellish a likeness of yeah. your own face. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you can also take it and manipulate it because I've also done it too, where I've asked people to manipulate it. What animal do they see themselves as? So that's been really interesting too because the foundation is their face and then they build on it from there. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm also interested in the artist trading cards. I've heard about artists making these and trading them and so you're you do some work with people getting them uh educated about how to make the cards as well Mm -hmm. and do you do you trade cards or i mean is this something that you do trade cards with other artists i have done a bit but i find that i'm so into doing other things that i haven't been able to dedicate large amounts of time to it as i would like to so how does that work do you make uh multiple copies of the same card or do you make various cars it's just your signature style and trade them with other artists yes and that's up to you you can do multiples of the same card or you can mix it up is there a standard size yeah a baseball card size okay there are trading parties and get-togethers that happen here in vancouver there's a number of them that happen once a month so i actually could go to one every week wow in different parts of vancouver plus outside of the uh, outside of Vancouver, too. So you just make a set number of cars and trade them with other artists, yeah. and they come away yeah. with quite a collection. Yeah, and it's oh, it's fascinating to see how people take this little cart and truly make it into a work of art. And a number of artists say sometimes that's all that they have time for are to do these trading cards, but they're still, you know, staying within 
their passion of art. They may not have time to work on large, um, you know, complicated, complex pieces, but this little piece of art keeps them in the game. Well, I haven't done any artist trading cards, but I think I'm, I'm inspired now. So what kind of paper do you use? I mean, what, do, what do you use as the base for your cards? Um, I use a cardstock, a nice cardstock, because they are ones that I would like to certainly be kept. And most people keep them in an album of some kind. Uh, With the plastic and you can sheets. Get the plastic sleeves, yeah. Yeah, thanks to the baseball in. card collectors out there. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, actually, I mean, I went to one trading card um, event. And uh, women and men were showing up like with three and four binders full of trading cards. <laughs> wow! And now, do people was, put biographical information about themselves? I mean, do they like on the back how there's the stat of the baseball player? Uh, is are there any inform? Is there any information on the back from the artist? Yes. Um, it again, it all depends. They all vary. If you go and do a search on the internet for artist trading cards, you can go to very specific sites, and it's just amazing um, some of the work that is done and some what information is put on the back or not. Well, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, I might need to get a little swap going. I think it'd be really fun to, to collect those. And Do you put any kind of sealer on it? Uh, to protect Again, it? Again, that's up to, you, you know, the only basic um, rule, you know, is is the the size. And then you just, you just go from there. Then anything goes. Yeah, and I mean, some people have done them in fabric. It's just, it's amazing some of the stuff that I've seen. Well, it sounds it, it sounds great. It it just makes me want to go make some trading cards right now. Mm -hmm. But I won't leave you. Um, <laughs> we're gonna... <laughs> okay, we're not going to make them yet. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about you're doing a very interesting project. Where well, th well, tell me about what you're doing with the the um, the art dispensers. Yeah, tell me about that and what you're actually okay. officially calling them. The name of the installation is called Outsider Art in a Box. And what I am using are um, old feminine hygiene dispensers, of course, that were in women's restrooms that dispensed um, sanitary pads and tampons. And so I've um, repurposed them or refurbished them in order to van small works of art. And where are you finding these machines, I mean, the, the dispensers? Well... You know, that was, I, I had a vision that I knew exactly the type of machines that I wanted. And it was between the feminine dispensers and condom machines. Okay. And so I began the footwork in terms of talking to anybody who would listen to me about finding vending machines. I used our yellow pages. I called around, um, and it was persistence that paid off. In uh, I, I made a contact in the vending business, and lo and behold, he had the exact machines that I had wanted. So, which were the feminine hygiene, which I just thought was awesome. So, um, initially, I had only planned to get um, two or three machines, you know, because I just wasn't sure of what the cost would be. So my partner and I went 
to see the machines, and he had 22 machines. Oh, wow. Twelve of them were the feminine hygiene um, dispensers, and then there were ten other um, different machines. And so I said, well, you know, what would be the cost? And I'm only thinking at that point two or three machines, and, you know, and he gave me the cost of, you know, to purchase all these machines, and I'm like, wow, you know. So my partner says, well, I think you should get all of them. And so, yeah, there, you know, I ended up uh, having 22 machines. So uh, were these all used, like machines that had been out there, or are these new machines that he just these had? Are o- these are older, obsolete machines. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. still, you know, they still would work? They're actually working obsolete machines. <laughs> Many of them have actually lived in our living room right up until last week. <laughs> <laughs> because I just, you know, they would, I'd have parts all over. And and being an artist is like, you know, I mean, I, I really do feel sorry for my partner because it certainly encroaches on her space too. <laughs> right, right. Actually quite a bit as she going through an obstacle course of whatever I'm working on at that moment. Now, is she an artist, too? Actually, I think she's a closet artist. Okay, but she's not I an actual practicing a... practicing artist. She's not. But you know what? She's actually my muse. Yeah. And has been an awesome support in the 10 years that we've been together because whenever I'm working on anything, you know, I always ask, her feedback and that was the other thing about my daughter my daughter was my muse too and you know so between the two of them I really did get a lot of feedback some of it wasn't always so welcome you know (laughs) but you know eventually I did get over it and and I would pay attention because it was um they, they weren't so attached to it as I was and so they could see things a little bit different. So you have these vending machines. Did you embellish all of them and alter the outside? Well, so what happened is I initially had a vision. I have one machine that's up now, and it is purple, and it has Ganeshai, which is the Hindu elephant Ganesh. If you're familiar yes. with mm-hmm. the deity Ganesh. So I did a female form of Ganesh and called her Ganeshai. Okay. So she is my logo, and she's somewhat fashioned after me. She has a really funky hat on. She has glasses, you know, has studio tools in her hands, which are some of the tools that I use in my everyday for for my um, art, studio journal, um, pottery tools, um, digital camera, and she's um, purple. Of course, I'm a, a, a black woman, but purple is my favorite color. So she's all she's all awash in, in purple, and she's sitting cross-legged on on a pillow, and she's um, bold and big and and extremely um, beautiful. And it was really important for me to use this logo because I've had a long love affair with elephants, mm-hmm. and so it was really fitting that she came into being, and then. Over top of her are the words that I use a lot, which is create your way. And that's how I go through life is, you know, I am creating my way in, in, in one way or another. Is this machine up someplace in public? Yes, it is. It's at Ruby Dog's Art House, which is 
here in Vancouver on a really popular, funky area of Vancouver, B.C., which is Main Street. And Ruby Dogs is a really awesome store. Like, it's an artist's dream. You walk in there and you can get things from old maps to coins to keys, just about anything, you know, to make artist trading cards, sculptures, mixed media paintings, the altered books, pretty well anything. And so it's really fitting to be able to put that machine in Ruby Dogs, and it's been very well received. The cost is $4, and it, you do not choose. It's um, random, so it's a surprise with every box that drops. And can you tell me what sort of things are in the boxes? There are keychains, there are collage cards, artist trading cards, one of the things that I find that's really fun is coffee condoms. And coffee condoms are an alternative to a cardboard sleeve that go, that you can put on your takeout cup, um, your coffee cup. That okay. Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. And on the inside, uh, there's a tag on the coffee condom, and it says, use a coffee condom, don't get burned. Oh, that's funny. And yeah, so what, and are they, what are they made out of? They're knit. Oh, they're knit. So, yeah, they're really... Fantastic. You know, they're actually, they're really cute. And so this particular artist has used all her ends of her yarn, put these little coffee condoms together. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds wonderful. So people can have, it's kind of a delightful surprise, almost like being a kid and you're, you look in the machine and you're trying to, you know, you buy those little things in the plastic. I'm envisioning those little plastic balls. Yeah, come out and there's a toy. Usually it doesn't work very well. So this is very mm-hmm. a lot better because it's going to be something art, you know, an artistic thing that won't fall apart when you open the package. Yeah. And I have an artist that does mini watercolor paintings and they are beautiful. They're just absolutely beautiful. Another woman that felt colorful pin cushions out of uh, different color felt pieces. Wow. Buttons. Um, and I mean, the, the buttons are really popular here, and they would be like the one-inch buttons that you can put on your coat. Or yeah, I put actually on your bag. just got a button maker myself, and I've did been, you? Yeah, I've been making oh, cool. some um, kind of craft sanity buttons, but I'm going to be doing some collage pieces, really small. Oh, neat! Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. So yeah, so I I have um, uh, those two, and then the other thing is chalkboard necklaces, and I do the chalkboard necklaces. And I saw those on your website. That looks really cool. Yeah, and those, in fact, are they had a past life of a Formica sample, which you can put on your countertop. Oh, yeah, and yeah. you just you spray it on that chalkboard paint? paint? It, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, and then put foil around, and uh, so each chalkboard necklace comes with a piece of chalk. And now what is the chain made? Is that a chain you made as well? Well, you know what? My muse, uh, which would have been my my partner, um, I changed it. I had hemp cord on, and it just wasn't working. And so I went and bought chain to use. And she goes, "That's too heavy. That that that's not working." And so I said, "But I like it." And then somebody else came into the house, and I was wearing one, and I said, well, what do you think? And she said, no, the chain doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've changed it to a nylon wax 
cord okay. at black cord, and that's actually working a lot better. Okay. Yeah, you, that's mm -hmm. the thing. You get to experiment a little bit and see what works. But yeah. well, I think this is, I just think it's awesome to be able to, you know, collect these small items. And do people find out anything about the artist when they get yeah. the piece? In each box is a, a slip of paper, and it has the artist's name, their contact information, a website if they have one an email, and also it talks about the artwork that's in the box. Oh, fantastic. And so if someone's interested in seeing this particular artist, more of their work, you know, they can go to their website or they can contact them directly. And instead of coming through me, they can make direct contact with the artist. So are you looking to have these all over Vancouver then? Actually, they're... Uh, I will have some in Vancouver. I will have some in other parts of BC. And I'm also looking at putting them uh, in eastern Canada, which would be the Maritimes, the Atlantic provinces. Mm -hmm. So I'm just negotiating that right now, doing a proposal to send. And the other thing is, is people are approaching me. Like, I haven't had to go out there in terms of for media contact, in terms of uh, information about the machine, hosting machine. So people are coming to me, and I haven't had to go out there and, you know, kind of push it a lot because they're hearing from somebody else, from somebody else, from somebody else. And word of mouth, of course, is always the best form of promotion. Oh, yeah. I wish I had some place to hang one of these, too, because I think it's fantastic You know, yeah, to have a are. public venue of where you could step up and, and get some something really fun out of a box. And are you looking to have them in the U.S., too? I know that you had sent me some links for some uh, similar ventures going on in the States right now. No, um, no it, it would be a little bit harder to get them in the U.S., but there is already an existing project that has been going since 1997. In fact, he probably is the person who initiated this worldwide art vending phenomenon. And the project is called Artimat, and his name is Clark Whittington. Well, so you're also taking uh, submissions. How does that process work? What sort of things are you looking for? Well, the criteria is, of course, these are family-friendly machines. And so there's no adult content. Okay, of um, course. Yes, please, uh, because they're, they embrace all ages. And the other thing is, is that uh, I don't accept any magnets at this point because it does and can interfere with the coin mechanism. Okay. So it is a creative challenge, and I leave it up to people to choose what they think can fit inside of the box. Now, what size can, do you give people kind of a guide of how big something can be? Yes, when they go to my website, alteredanything.com, and they go under Outsider Art, there's also some forms, and one of them is the information form and the submission form. And that gives all of the criteria for submitting a, a sample piece of work and then once it comes to me and I think, hey, you know, that would really fit. And quality is everything. Despite the fact that it's small pieces of work, some people are starting to collect. And so you want to make sure that the quality and craftsmanship is there 
in minimal pieces of, of work. It's, mm-hmm. it's important. If people are collect that um, is, like, as far as I'm concerned, high kudos for the um, artist. And if it's a series piece where you can only get the six pieces, then, you know, you want to make sure that once you get these six pieces that you can showcase them in a, in a way that is really neat. And for $4, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and so an artist get paid. The breakdown is to uh, the person purchasing from the vending machine is $4. $2 per piece goes to um, the artist. A dollar per piece goes to the hosting venue if they so choose. And then a dollar cycles back into the project. And uh, one of the things is that this is a, a self-funded Endeavor installation. I've not received or gotten any grants or loans for this, this project. Sounds like it's great exposure, too, for artists' work because it's pretty inexpensive and it's a way to get your work out there. And do you accept, uh, I have listeners from all over the globe, so will you take submissions from anywhere? Yes, I will. Okay. Yes, I will. And I guess and I'd be... it would actually be really neat for it to be international, you know. Yeah. Um, and global, more than anything global. That would be, that would be really neat. Well, it would be yeah. fun, too, for the people buying the art. You know, mm-hmm. I unfortunately I'm not going to be able to get to Vancouver anytime soon to like put my four dollars in and, <laughs> and check this out. But I think that it, the concept is wonderful to be able to go into your favorite, you know, whether it's a store, gallery, or wherever you know yes. these end up, um, and be able to kind of step up and not know, you know, what you might get. I, I love the concept of it. Exactly, I, I, and and that's the thing. You know, people have said to me, "Well, what if I don't like what I get? Well, then pass it on." And then pay, you know, you know try again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's only four pass, bucks. Pass it on. Yeah, pass it on or, you know, try again. And, and thank you for your support. You know, yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I think it, it sounds really fun. And so I'll, I'll put information on the website for people to, to get involved and, okay, and send things. And it sounds like they start out by sending you just a sample so you can tell them. So they don't make 25 items and then... If it's not something you're looking for, they can just yeah. send one. Yeah, and one of the other things that's happening here, too, is the, the Petri dish, which is a really, uh, it's a local retail gallery workshop space. Uh, she conducts workshops for Outsider Art in a Box, and so people can take a workshop and make some artwork there for Outsider Art to, you know, to be considered for Outsider Art in a Box. And they pay a, a reduced submission fee, and she'll take them. You know, she explains the whole the whole um, process. You know, gives them lots of ideas of what can be made. She gives the supplies. You know, offers the the supplies in their workshop fee, and they've been very successful and well attended by um, all ages. Well, it sounds fantastic, and you, hopefully this will prompt some people to consider it, you know, as a venue yeah, for their art. Exactly, and then two other things, Jennifer, that's happening is upcoming July 28th, there's going to be an Outsider Art in the Box um, art show. And so what I've done is I've um, put out eight different machines um, to eight different artists, and they've used it as their canvas. Oh, excellent. And so um, next Friday we'll do an art show showcasing these eight different machines that have um, been creatively done by these um, varied artists. 
and then the machines will be filled with that particular artist's artwork. Very cool. And then will people be, yeah. able, be able to purchase that during the show? Purchase They'll that. be able to purchase the art during the show, and the machines will be on display for a month. And at that time, interested host locations can come forward and, um, and express an interest that they would like a machine in their store or organization or business. Yeah, and um, the other thing in the, ne the near future that will also be introduced is Outsider Art in a Box um, subscription. Oh, okay. And that will be by Snail Mail, where they will get a surprise. Um, on, it's still um, a, a work in pro um, progress, so people who don't have access to the vending machines can receive something by snail mail. Oh, okay. So would that be every month, or how would that work? Well, I'm, you know what? That's still a work in progress, so I just need to kind of figure out if it'll, if it'll be like quarterly or every month, and I just haven't quite gotten there yet. So I'm hoping to introduce that latter part of 2006 or early 2007. Well, I think what you're doing and what the gentleman in, in Artomat has been able to do is really bring art to the masses in a way that's affordable. And how yeah. uh, how do you feel about being able to do that? Because I think a lot of people, you know, we, you go to an art show or a gallery and, you know, if you know you have to pay your mortgage and you have to maybe have a college loan and you have, you know, your car payment, people think, geez, I really can't afford $700 for this fantastic painting or mm -hmm. whatever fiber, you know, art um, piece. And it's unfortunate because then, if, you know, if these folks walk out of the gallery feeling like, man, I'd really love to have that, you know, have beautiful yeah. things in my home but feel like they can't afford it. So, mm -hmm. what, so what are you trying to do to fill that void? I mean, how, how do you feel about well, being able to do that? I guess one of, one of the reasons that I feel I feel so passionate about this project installation is the fact that it is accessible to all classes of people. So more people are able to afford art, you know, small small works of art. And the other thing is, is the people who are able to purchase the $700 piece of art, they will still continue to afford and buy the $700 art. Sure, you know? sure. But the other thing is, is that for people who are just maybe starting to maybe collect art, I, in some ways I think this can be a, a, a nice, non-threatening introduction. Well, and it also might be a good way to um, get a piece from an artist that, you know, because there might be artists who are quite accomplished who decide, you know, this is kind of fun. I like to make some smaller pieces exactly. and not have exactly. to be consumed by that massive piece that I've been working on for months. And you, so it'll give people a chance to get something maybe from an artist. They, it's really quite popular, but on a small scale and a more affordable scale. Exactly. And, the, and it is, you know, definitely. And the other thing is, is art isn't all about museums and galleries. And so this is certainly an alternative way in order to put it out into into the world. I stand behind affordability and accessibility to the to the masses. And it's nice too that you're taking machines that are no longer being used and kind of giving them a second wind. Exactly. You know, and who would have ever thought that a Kotex dispenser could be so fun, <laughs> you know? Well, and I mean, you know, being a woman, I just think, see this as, as really fitting. And the other thing is, is that they can be stored 
you know, easily in terms of finding the space, and they can be moved quite easily. I don't have to call a moving truck up. To right, you move, can pick it up you know, yourself, exactly. Yeah, they're 28 pounds, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, yeah, you're right, it's not like a big jukebox or something, you know, you can. Yeah, uh, and they hang on, they hang on the wall, and, you know, I, I just think it's a fantastic positive asset to any environment. And what kind of feedback are you getting from the, the machine that's out right now in the store? Extremely positive. People are excited. And not only that, um, the owner-operator, operator Leanne Bishop, she really promotes Outsider Art in a Box. And she was actually the first one that I had approached when I wanted to find a space for the first machine. And she was she was very excited and very supportive and said, oh, well, I'll take one here. And basically, you know, people ask, you know, well, do you have any other machines out there? And it's like, no, it really has. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of time that I put into it. Well, I can imagine. Because you have time. to find homes for all these. You have to find artists to decorate them, to embellish them. And uh, you have to find an artist to fill them. Yeah, what's happening is I've been approached by, um, they have a home show, a huge home show here every year. And they've approached me to put some of my sh machines in. And I, and I think they have like up to 100,000 wow. um, in this, this home show. And it's, home show lifestyle show so they feel that my machines would fit in so what a wonderful experience for the public and the, the coolest part about this is if you know, you get these into places where because um, art lovers are going to go to the store that you're describing that supports art because they know the store's there but the cool part about this is this is the potential to you know if the machines are in places where people who may not describe themselves as artists or art carnivores, you know, uh, people who collect mm -hmm. it, th this might lead people to appreciate art who might not have ever thought they could afford it or even really had that much interest. Um, just to be the curiosity aspect could be really exactly. Fun. And there are two projects, two other projects in Canada, and one is called Disroboto, and that's in Montreal. And there's uh, he uses cigarette machines, repurposed cigarette machines. Oh, cool. And there's another one in Toronto, Canada, and they use an old vintage pink fridge. Oh, wow. And, and they push it around to um, certain areas in Toronto, and they have a big open sign on it, and you take the art from there free. The oh, artists wow. donate it, and, you know, you can go and get a piece of art free. Oh, wow. Isn't that neat? That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, did you send me links? Do they have websites for both those? Yes, they, yeah. Yeah, yes. I don't know. Did you already send me links to those? I don't know if you sent me links to the I ones don't in Canada. Think I did, if you, if but you I would, will. If, yeah, that would be fabulous. And I think what I'm hoping to do is kind of just inspire people who are listening to this to maybe sit down, you know, look at the craft supplies they have and make little pieces because, you know, it doesn't take much. And a lot of times you can maybe even recycle some items that you have, you know. Well, mm hmm. And that's encouraged, you know, like, I mean, you know, I really encourage that. What can you make, you know, uh, multiples of or not with um, sort of the least amount of materials, but give it that quality and craftsmanship? Well, even, you know, if you think about like even making something like, a, you know, some kind of funky brooch out of a jar lid or something, yes. you know, where it involves mm -hmm. collage and, and that's not something that would be expensive. I mean, these are things going into landfills, but you could turn mm -hmm. it into some really kind of a cool piece. And I mean, I encourage children too because you can you you can take their work and you can make it into small little paintings or oh, a yeah. little brooch or 
So it can be a family creative challenge. And I didn't ask you about your kind of how you even got into art. Have you been creating art since childhood or what led you down this path? Yeah, I've had formal training to mentorship where I've worked one-to-one with some fabulous, fabulous artists. And I still continue to go and whenever I'm interested in learning about a particular medium, I will, you know, go and take a semester or two and do that. So it's been, you know, that way it keeps me fresh and I consider myself actually to be a lifelong learner. So um, that won't stop in terms of, of if there's something new out there, then, you know, I want to go and, and look at it and um, try and make it a part of my own work. Is art your main gig? That's what you do? You're a professional artist? Or do you have other revenue streams, that other jobs that you do as well to fund your, your creative um, life? I, art is my mainstay. That's great. Yeah, everything, you know, from the art parties to the one-to-one to the outsider art in a box. It's my mainstay, and and I guess too, I'm also I'm I'm very careful about putting professional. I'm an artist. Period. Right. Well, I guess what yeah. I meant by that is just you know, do you have to work uh, in an office job or something to fund your creative well, endeavors? And I you know? have a really supportive partner too. So. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's wonderful because I know a lot of people that um, listen to this show are kind of trying to make the transition, you know, and they might be, go to a job during the day and, and just really wish they could do art all the time. So, Well, um, and you know, it's like do what you love and the money will follow. And yeah, in this case, that's true. all of a sudden, this is what's happening for me. Yeah. Is that I stay true to my conviction, and my conviction is I'm an artist. Yeah. Well, con- congratulations and, to you. It's yeah, wonderful. Thank you. thank you so much for your time, oh, and, I'm, you, and I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to talk today. Thanks to Rhonda for giving us a glimpse into her creative life. For more information about Rhonda and this week's free artist training card, Project How To, check out craftsanity.com. Rhonda sent me a few examples of the art that's dispensed through her machines. And she's actually going to be starting, as she mentioned in the interview, a subscription program so you could sign up. I don't think she's settled on the rates yet or how often the art would be sent to you, but if you're interested, check out her website, and I'll have the links on craftsanity.com. She sent me pieces of art, the chalkboard necklaces that she makes that I thought were really cute, and let Abby try it on, and she used a little chalk to make uh, some marks on the little chalkboard, and that was really fun. We wrote her name. Rhonda also sent along one of the coffee condoms she was talking about that you can put on your coffee cup, whether you go to Starbucks or wherever else. It replaces the need for the cardboard sleeve that most people probably just drink their coffee and then throw those in the landfill. And that piece is actually, I need to tell you who the artist is, Kathy Braun. And the last piece that she sent me, she sent me three pieces, is a watercolor painting, and it's very small. It looks like it's probably about one and a half by one and a half, or maybe two inches by two inches square. And it's called Pear. And this is by Rachel Davis. It's really pretty cool because it's small, but yet it's like a little still life of a pear. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Rhonda. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me see samples. That was really, really fun. It's like the whole Cracker Jack concept where, you know, there's a little surprise. The surprise element is so fun. For any of you considering signing up for the subscription program, I'd say based on what I'm seeing, it'd be worth it because it's, this stuff's fun. 
course, you can't pick what you get. It's just kind of a random sampling. So contact Rhonda if you're interested. I'll have a picture on the website of these items. I tried to connect before the show with Clark Whittington, and I actually did connect with him via email, and I plan to have him as a future guest on the show. He started an art vending project in the United States back in 1997 called Artimat. Rhonda did mention him, and I was hoping to actually talk to him before the show, but that didn't work out, and my voice is obviously shot. But I will have links to Clark's project, Artimat, and several other art vending projects on the website, so you can kind of study up. And, you know, if you have questions that you want me to ask Clark, um, go ahead and send them my way, and I will uh, file those away for when I do get a chance to interview him. A lot of you have suggested some really great guests to be on the show. When you suggest a guest, if you have a question, a particular question that you're interested in having answered, feel free to include that in your email, and I will do my best to ask those questions. Thanks to those of you who have purchased Craft Sanity t-shirts. I really appreciate your support. Hope you like the t-shirt design. My brother-in-law actually designed several different shirts in several different colors, so I just kind of rolled out a couple to start with. I also do want to mention that I made a stop at Michigan Fiber Fest over the weekend. Jeff and I took the girls to see some Angor rabbits and some sheep and some goats and, of course, tons of yarn and fiber. And I bought a couple little Weavet looms that I was very excited to use. And yes, I already made a couple things on the way back home. So that was really fun. I met a blogger there. Anytime I go anywhere, you know, art or craft related, I wear a Craft Sanity t-shirt now. Figure I print these things up, I might as well wear them. And met Teresa. She's a keyboard biologist and she, uh, she writes about her creative ventures. It was great to meet her. I'm going to uh, continue to drink my orange juice this week and hope this pesky cold leaves me soon. I wish you all health and happiness and have a fabulous week. And, uh, you know, don't forget to craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. I'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.